Hi, this is Jonathan Horton, one of the pastors here at Grace Christian Fellowship in Odessa, Texas. I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast today. Wherever you are listening to this, I hope that this message encourages you, gives you hope, and reminds you that you are loved. So week three of our Mastermind series, during this, we're really getting down to this concept. What you think about matters. You know, so often as, as believers, we just think, hey, it's what I do matters. But so often the thoughts that are behind the actions are the, the, the thoughts are the things that make you either do what you do or kind of stay back from some ministry that maybe the Lord wants to do in and through you. So uh, during this series, the, the verse that we've been reading each week is this verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 that I just love so much how Paul says this. He says this, he says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So it's not, you're just not just demolishing every argument, right? We're doing this for the things that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is so important for us to really think about in our thought life. Are we really doing this? Are we taking captive these thoughts that that come up against? And are we taking our thoughts not only captive, but are we making them obedient to Christ? Because there's two different things in this. If we're just trying to catch those thoughts, that's one thing. If we're just keeping them and thinking about it at our own level, but then when we say, no, no, no. I wanna make all of my thoughts, I wanna make my life obedient to Christ, then it begins to take a different step. So we've been going through this and thinking about it from different angles. Uh, The first week we talked about how we really need to question uh, how we think about God. Now on the forefront, we can say, hey, I I believe in God and I believe these truths about him. But then when we really begin to, to look at our heart, you might realize that underneath it, you might have some underlying things that are actually lies that you're believing about God, lies like he doesn't have time for you, lies like, like he doesn't know you personally, that there's too many people, he, he doesn't really care intimately about you, even though in your head you're like, no, that's not true. But really it gets down to, are you believing these lies in your heart? So last week, we moved from you just thinking about God to you thinking about you. And uh, if you missed it last week, I heard from several people that are like, man, for whatever reason, God was just, I needed to hear that last week. Because it's so interesting, right? We will say things to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else. But somehow you saying it to yourself and thinking these terrible, negative, bad things, you just think that it's okay. But instead, we shouldn't be in this, this um, kind of relationship with ourselves where we just kind of tell ourselves these negative things, but we should say, God, no, I want to have what you say about me be true about what I say about myself as well. So uh, we talked about those things in the last couple of weeks, and today we're moving from just talking about you, talking about God, to saying, how can we begin to think about how does our thoughts make us think about other people? Do you realize that you just have some, some really natural things that will come out in your thought life? For instance, there's this theory that came out in the 60s, and it's about the, the four stages of proximity. And in, in this theory, it talks about, hey, when, when you have an intimate relationship with somebody, you're okay being uh, a distance of about a foot and a half 
away from that person. But then it talks about these other kind of spaces that we can enjoy with people. It says, if you are in this proximity of a personal space, you're within one to four feet of those people. If you're a social space, it's four to 12 feet. If it's a public space, it's 12 to 24 feet. And I wanna kind of dig into this just a little bit with you because here's the thing, when you're uh, going through school and most likely your teacher wasn't like, hey, I wanna talk to you about your personal space. Now, some of y'all, you needed that, right? So your parents are like, you are like right up in that person's face. But for most of us, it just begins to, to uh, be something that we know in general. Hey, there, there's personal space and we need to keep it. How do I know this is true? If you're a guy and you walk into a, a public restroom, right? You, you know where I'm going with this? And, and there's a urinal, say there's three urinals and there's a guy standing at one of the urinals. If, if you have a choice of, of the other two, you're not standing right next to that guy to use the restroom. You, you try to create some separation. Why do you do that? Because you just intuitively know, I need some social space. If you go and there's all these urinals and you stand right next to the other guy, you just made things awkward, right? And then even worse, if you try to start talking to him, oh my word, right? It is not the time to talk. Like we, we understand some of this as guys, now, when it comes to this, this spacing, it's so interesting how this is true. And now COVID has messed all of this up as well for us, but we understand it on the intimate level. There's certain connections. If, if you have a spouse, you know that, hey, th that person's allowed within your intimate space. But watch this. If you guys are angry with one another, then all of a sudden you, you, it almost feels like there's more of a distance between you. You maybe don't want to be as close with that person. But then you get into this personal space. And, and there's this guy who says, hey, you can do the, the handshake test to see what somebody's personal space is. And anymore, you, you might not even get a handshake, right? But say you can get a handshake. Uh, and, and, and here's the four steps to figuring out what somebody's personal space is and, and kind of intuitively looking into that. If you walk up and you, you say hi to somebody, you step into that, you shake their hand, you look them in the eye, and then you just kind of take one step back. You kind of watch what they do. And do they like back up away from you a little bit? Then these are just some, some thoughts that are going through their minds that there's kind of setting up for them. What does their personal space look like? How connected are they to you? Now, of course, there's different cultures that are gonna be closer together and other cultures that aren't going to be as close together uh, in the way that they interact with one another. But I, I'm telling you these things because as we kind of look at this, we can begin to say, you know what? There, there's some uh, social constructs that we live by without even really thinking about it very often. You know, we, we see this happen, uh, for instance, in the social or public space. Have you ever walked into an elevator and somebody else is in that elevator? And, and you're like, okay, I'm walking in here. The door's about to close. It's just gonna be us two. You're thinking, you know, hopefully they don't have a knife or something like that. But if you walk into this elevator and, and they're right here, what do you do? You go over to this other side and generally you don't make eye contact. You just kind of look down and this is kind of how it goes. And we understand for whatever reason that this is supposed, what it's supposed to be like, but what if you went and just stood right next to that person in the elevator and you're like, hey, your, your phone ding, do you want me to read your text message for you? You know, like the, there would be some awkwardness in this and, and you just understand in general, 
hey, I, I probably don't do that. Like, this is gonna be awkward if I talk to them or it might seem strange or, or alarming to them. And so you kind of keep your separation. You try not to make eye contact. And, and in our lives, we, we have these things that come into our minds. And what I want you to realize is that, that we will have thoughts that come into our minds that either push us away from people or pull us closer to people because of the thoughts that come to our mind. And so often, these thoughts, they come rushing into our minds and many times, we don't stop to think, is this worth thinking about? Is this true? Is this a good thought? We just kind of rush into it and we're like, all right, yeah, this, this is what it is. But maybe God wants you to question some of these underlining thoughts that you have about people. Maybe God's wanting you to say, hey, you, you know what? Maybe you're more timid normally, but Maybe you need to, instead of, uh, whenever there's an awkwardness or a fear that enters into a relationship, instead of saying, all right, I'm just going to push away from that, maybe you need to pause and you ask the question, wait, I'm feeling like I need to kind of retreat from this conversation in some type of way, but maybe God wants you to actually engage. Or some of you, you've never met a stranger in your life, right? And you just want to kind of rush into conversations. You don't struggle with that at all. And what you can find yourself is because you don't pause often enough, you might find yourself getting cheated or hurt in some type of relationship as well. And, and maybe what you need to do is kind of pause long enough to say, hey, do I need to look into this a little bit more? We've got these things that God's given us amazing and beautiful uh, brains that, that we need to really say, all right, God, what do you want us to do with, with this? And as these thoughts come in, how do we not just say, oh, this is true because I thought it or felt it, but instead think to ourselves, all right, God, how am I really called to live as your follower of Christ? Whether I feel fear or whether I feel called into it, Lord, let me run this through your filter. And we do this all the time, right? Obviously with the social space, but with other things as well. For instance, a couple uh, weeks ago, I was driving uh, all my kids in the car. And as I'm driving down the road, I see this guy running. And I'm like, all right, he doesn't look like he's running from the cops necessarily in this moment. But he also didn't look like he was running to work out. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look at this and judge it all at the same time. And, and, and I, I kind of think to myself, he looks like he's running because he's late, and uh, where he's right in my neighborhood, so it's pretty far from wherever he thinks he's going. So I kind of just instantly roll down the window. I was like, hey, dude, hey, buddy, you need a ride? And it, it, it's funny, you see him kind of think, is this guy a murderer too, like in his head? <laughs> and, and so then he runs over and he gets in the car and sure enough, he had some circumstance that happened and he was going to be late for work and here he is trying to run to Synergy to go work, right? And, and so... I end up taking him over there, dropping him off, and, and it's all good. Now, in that moment, it, it was kind of a quick judgment, but who knows, right? He, he, he could have been dangerous. I had all my kids in there. But obviously, if I'm driving down the road and I see some guy in a ski mask and a chainsaw, I'm not yelling out the window, hey, buddy, you need a ride? There's some judgments that come into our minds that, that help us really think through what are the good decisions, what are the right decisions that we make. But by the end of today, here's what I'm really hoping that you'll do is that you'll begin to, to start to question 
those initial thoughts that come racing into your mind about situations and begin to say, hey, hey God, is this the, the right thought? Is this the direction that you want me to go? Or are you calling me to step into an uncomfortable situation? So often when we are really trying to be relational and we're really trying to make Jesus known in this world and, and love people the way that Jesus calls us to love them, it generally means you feeling uncomfortable in some ways. And I know that it's gonna mean different things for different people. And, and we're not calling you to go out and just all be awkward for Jesus. You know, he might call you to do that, right? But, but I do want you to really challenge just these baseline thoughts because they may call, call you to retreat when really you need to move into it. See, so often what I think that we do is uh, we begin to write a story for somebody before they even have time to give you any facts or information about what's going on in their lives. I saw this happen this last week as my family was out um, just these last couple days grocery shopping. Uh, my wife and kids had gone up to Walmart and they saw a lady that was passing out flowers in order to uh, uh, make money. And so my kids are like, hey, can we, can we give them food? And, and my wife allowed uh, them to do that. And then we were there like a day later and they realized, hey, there's two of them holding signs. And they began to ask us all these questions. And they were making up these stories uh, about them, like, oh, they must be sisters, and, and maybe they need... And, and they start making up all these stories about the condition and what's going on in these people's lives. And I appreciate their heart for them in the midst of it. But my wife uh, wisely said to them, hey, you need to quit asking questions that we don't have answers for and just pray for them. And, and, and that's really what I want us to kind of look at today and say, you know, so often we want to kind of come up with this story that we literally have no answers to the questions. You get cut off and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that person's a jerk. And you start writing the story about how terrible this person is when you don't actually know what's going on in that person's life. Or, or maybe somebody is a jerk to you in general and, and, and you think, man, this person's so mean to me. Like, why are they always like that? And you might be writing this story about how terrible a person they are and not realizing that maybe they're struggling with constant pain all the time and it causes them to react in this type of way, right? We write these negative stories all the time. Somebody doesn't text you back and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know if we're friends anymore. There's all these questions that we can start to do these mental gymnastics in. And what if we quit trying to make up these stories and we began to say, all right, God, how do you really want me to think? How do you want me to not just push away from this relationship, but maybe pull closer to it? I wanna uh, kind of help flush some of this out by looking at the scripture in Romans chapter 12 with you. Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul begins to lay out for the Romans and, um, really kind of this idea of how they should live. And he says in verse, verse 15, or 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So let's kind of just pause in the midst of that. As we begin to think about our, what are these relationships that we have with one another and, and, and what is kind of this um, mental position that we should be in, one of the things I wanna challenge you to is, is the first couple words of this verse where he says, live in harmony with one another. How many of you are ready to start your, mo your Monday morning like, all right, I'm gonna live in harmony with everybody this week? It doesn't sound very like tough, right? But 
in the sense of it would be difficult for you to go through that. But this is how we're called to live as followers of Christ, live in harmony with one another. But then he begins to set up for us, well, how, how do we do that? How do you accomplish living in harmony with other people? He, he says two things. He kind of sandwiches this in. He says, don't be proud and don't be conceited. Don't be proud and don't be conceited. He begins to help us say, hey, we need to look at ourselves and wonder how often are we keeping ourselves the main focus? How often is it all about us and, and what we want and what we need and what we bring to the table? He says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, don't be conceited. And then in the middle of those two things, as he helps us see how we live in harmony with one another, he says this that I think is so difficult for us. He says, be, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Now, for, for some of us, you might just say, hey, that's, that's easy. Like, I, I associate with everybody. I love everyone. But I, I would really challenge you to think to yourself, how well do you do with this? You know, it's often been said that uh, one of the, the biggest segregating things on a Sunday morning is wealth. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this. So often we think about, oh, it's all about the colors of skins and this is what separates people in, in times past. But a lot of statistics would point to the fact that, that many times people of different socioeconomics, they don't always relate with each other very well. Why is that? Is it because we struggle with this? We struggle with being willing to associate with people of low position? And low position, I think, can mean so many different things. Struggle with people, let's just say, struggle with people that are different than you. How willing are we to say, hey, you know what, I, when it comes to relationships, when, because here's what happens. When you're struggling with somebody from a lower position, whatever that means in that moment, oftentimes in our minds, I think, we begin to push away from those relationships. Hey, we don't have similarities. We might not get along very much. And we don't have the same likes or the same lifestyle. And so just naturally, we begin to push away from some of those relationships. But in this, it's saying, hey, whoa, whoa, we need to first off and kind of question, are we proud or conceited in some type of way? And the answer honestly might not be no, or might be no. But then the second thing that we need to begin to ask, well, are we, what this says, willing to engage in those types of relationships? Are we willing to seek them out? Now, as we sit here today, we might say to ourselves, hey, I, I'm willing, I'm willing to engage with somebody that, that's in a lower standard than me. And, and once again, it can mean several different things. I don't want you to just hear that from the example I gave of, uh, of the money side of things. But uh, when we dive into this, we, we need to begin to ask ourselves, hey, I don't wanna just be willing, but we need to think about this. God calls us, you and I, to have a faith of action. Jesus didn't kind of give the negative of this golden rule, don't do to others as you don't want them to do to you. No, Jesus made it kind of difficult for us. He goes, here's what you need to do. Do for others as you would want them to do to you. 
Treat others in the way that you hope people treat you. It, it, it's not this concept where, where it's like, all right, you're, you're good just not doing anything. No, God says, no, have a faith of action. Have a faith where you're saying, how do I love people? How do I engage with people? How do I care for people in the way that I would hope that they in turn would care for me? So then when you begin to couple this idea that Jesus gives us with this you know, kind of uh, call to be willing to associate with people of lower position, to, to not be proud or conceited, then all of a sudden you start to realize, hey, I need to have this faith of action where I'm, where I'm moving into some of these relationships, moving towards some of these conversations. Now I realize there are times that we need to set up boundaries. There's times when, when, when that relationship is, is a little messed up, but here's what I also want us to realize, is that you loving other people is not based off of how they love you. Even though sometimes it is the wise choice to, to set up boundaries, and sometimes that's the most loving thing to do for somebody else. But oftentimes when we have this conversation about how we care about other people, generally it's the people that are, are angry or negative or that we don't get along with that, that we begin to push away from those relationships. And we can kind of think to ourselves, well, rightfully so. But in these next couple verses in Romans, I want you to see how it begins to set up that, hey, we don't even have a pass necessarily on the people that are angry or mean towards us as well. So we just got done reading verse 16 and then 17 through 21. Listen to what it says here. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. I love this, this initial conversation. He's saying, here's what I want you to be careful to do. Do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Not do what's right in the eyes of you or just that individual, but this idea of this, what's everyone think about this? Don't repay evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that part in this verse where it says this that how do we live at peace with everyone? As far as it's possible with you. It takes two to tangle. You've heard that, right? Well, you get to play a part in whatever kind of difficult situation that you're in. If you're dealing with a, a, a tough person and it's causing you to want to push away from that, God says, hey, guess what? You get to do your part in the midst of that conversation. You get to do your part in the midst of that relationship. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes you don't get a choice in the matter, but you still get a choice on how you act and how you live. And he continues on, he says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. Hey, let's hear that again. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with what? Absolutely. This is so hard though, because that voice in your head, when evil comes at you, when things get awkward, when the relationship is difficult, we wanna push away and we wanna distance ourselves. That's one thing, right? Retreat, or we wanna react by giving it right back to them. 
And, and we think that both of these are going to solve our problems. And what I want you to hear that these are often kind of our flesh and our thoughts that are lies that we shouldn't always listen to. Now, sometimes it does make sense to retreat. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But we need to realize that in these moments, there's a third option, not just to say, I'm gonna retreat or not to give evil for evil, like it said. But the option is to love them, to care for them. It literally says, hey, if, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And oftentimes we would think to ourselves, this sounds so countercultural. Are you kidding me? Why would I help somebody who's trying to hurt me or trying to do evil towards me or treat me in that type of way? And God says, guess what? You get to accomplish two things in loving this person and caring for this person. One, you're showing them the kindness and the love of Jesus, but also there's this other factor that you might heap burning coals on their head, right? They might be like, man, I keep trying to be mean to this person or terrible to this person. They just keep loving me. See, it requires you getting outside of your own thoughts and your own heart and your own mind to be able to take the steps that Jesus calls us to take sometimes as followers. Because that doesn't come natural. Somebody does something wrong, you're like, oh, let me just keep being more kind. And yes, you should retreat sometimes. Yes, you do need to say difficult things to people at times. Those things happen. But there is this third option that we should really consider and that we should really think about. Man, how do we live for Jesus in this type of way? And know that it's not going to be natural that often, but it is the right way for us to look at it. And the only way you're going to do it is if you say, I don't always think about what's natural or right. But, but I wanna think about, and God, how do you want me to live? God, I wanna think about the right things. And even when it's difficult, I'm going to push in to that. Let's pray. Father God, help us to be people that think differently than the rest of the world. God, help us to be people that don't just think about, hey, how do I write the story for somebody without knowing any of the facts or what's really going on in their life or their world. But God, help us to be uh, people that, that say, I'm not going to, to come up with all the what ifs about what's going on, but Lord, we're just gonna be people that are loving and generous and, and, and care for others. Lord, I pray right now as we deal with this, maybe some of us in the room, God, we have some real specific instances that we have not been doing this well. God, we've been uh, avoiding conversations or we've been just giving hate right back, giving evil right back to people. Lord, let us not be a people that act like that. God, help us to be more and more like Jesus. Father, we wanna be your light in this world. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, church family, I wanna uh, invite you to go ahead and stand up. And uh, we're gonna step into this time of response this morning. And uh, as you sing to the Lord, maybe there's something that God's saying, hey, give this to me this morning. And I, I just wanna encourage you, let these words kind of wash over your heart and mind. But if you need prayer for something, or if you're saying, you know what? I don't even know how to, to act the way that Jesus calls me to because I don't have Jesus in my life yet. Uh, know that I would love to have a conversation with you about that and help you take some of those steps this morning. But uh, family, let's uh, go ahead and, and praise Jesus in this moment. 
Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Make sure to subscribe to this channel so that you can keep up with new content as it becomes available. We would also ask that if you have been encouraged by this ministry, that you would consider partnering with us financially. Your support helps us to continue our mission of helping people move from where they are to where God is calling them to be. You can find all the ways to give at graceodessa.com slash give. Thank you.